Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here with us to worship today. The roses that are placed in our sanctuary this morning are in honor of a few babies that have been born in the uh, church family and in our congregation here recently. Charlotte Carol Russ was born on April 17th. She is the daughter of Wesley and Ashley Russ, the granddaughter of Bill and Julie Daves, and the great-granddaughter of Teresa Huggins. Also, Grayson Michael Collins was born on May 7th. Grayson is the son of Samantha and Kenny Collins. And then Price Borders Hamrick was born on June 16th to Miles and Alyssa Hamrick, and Price is the grandson of Klein and Catherine Hamrick. We are so excited for these additions to our church family, and we want to continue to keep these family members in our prayers in the coming weeks. This morning, as we begin our worship, I would invite you to listen to these words as we pray and as we seek to interact with our Lord. Loving God, we come to worship you today. We come to sing, we come to pray, and we come to listen. You always hear us. Help us this morning, O oh God, to hear you. Amen. Our hymn is number 37, God, our Father, you have led us. Number 37. If you are able, please stand and join and sing.
Do you know what a giant is? What's a giant? Wait a minute. What? Big. Well, you know what? Our story today is about a giant and a little boy. But now see, I think Pastor Keith would be a giant to you. What do you think? Do you think he'd be tall like a giant? If you stood up to him, he'd be sort of looking up like that, wouldn't you? All right, our scripture today is about David. Have you ever heard of David and Goliath? You'd like David and Goliath, I know, because you are all boy. But our scripture is from 1 Samuel 17, verse 40. Then David picked up his staff and went to the stream and chose five smooth stones. He put them in his pocket of his shepherd's bag, just like Miss Ellen's got. Then he took his sling, and I didn't bring a sling because I was not, I was a little afraid about having one in the hands of you. And then he approached Goliath. Goliath is a giant, but he was gonna take his bag. See, Miss Ellen brought five, five stones today. You wanna come up here so you can see him a little better? Jude, you wanna come with him? Look here, these stones. He got these stones out of the water and they're all smooth. Do you think that could kill a giant? You think it could? Well, he took these stones, he took these stones. Georgia, can you sit right here and help me? Yeah. And I've got five of them and I wanna tell you what these five stones mean. First one is a C and it stands for courage. David had to have courage to even think he could kill Goliath the giant. Jude, you wanna hold my C? Okay. Then we've got a T. Trust God. We need to trust God when we've got giants that we have to face. Sometimes when we're scared, we need to trust God and he'll take care of us. Can you take care of my tea? Thank you. Then we have a P, be prepared. How can we be prepared? Mm. Oops, sit back down, uh, we're almost through. I guess you can be good. That's exactly right. You hold my P, okay. Now I've got two more. I've got a V, victory. Victory because we trust God every day to take care of us, don't we? Can you hold the V? All right, I'm gonna, you just be careful now. Hold both of them very carefully. And then my last one is C, caring and compassion. Are you caring, aren't you? Yeah, I'm We're caring. all caring. I'm but wait a minute, I'm not through with this one yet. When we take this one, David put it in his slingshot and he swung it like this and he hit Goliath right here. Everybody else was afraid, but David wasn't. He took his courage, his persistence, his patience, and he had victory. 
just like we do every day because we listen and we talk to God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you protect us from our giants. You keep us safe. You watch over us. Thank you for these children, for their families, and for this church family as we help them face their giants every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm glad that Ellen did not have the sling because once I was identified as the giant, I, I didn't know, and the kids hear the story, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. But um, let me share a word of scripture with you this morning from Psalms before I pray. The contemporary English version of Psalm 11.1 says, shout praises to the Lord with all of my heart and I will thank the Lord when his people meet. Some say as his people gather. And today as we gather, we have some who are rejoicing. As you see, we've had three flowers here and we've had three new families that have new additions. And we have some rejoicing. Uh, we think about Betty and the good news that you've received uh, this last week, Betty, and we're rejoicing with you. We have others who received great news this week and we rejoice with you in your news. As we meet here today, we also have some that are carrying great burdens, uh, burdens related to health, burdens related to relationship issues and maybe trials or not enough or whatever it may be. Uh, but nevertheless, um, we have others who too, who are struggling, maybe caring for someone with memory loss uh, and maybe caring for someone in their final season of life. The great thing about church is that we are a community that no matter how we come to worship and no matter the diversity that's here, we can unite as one body around worship or in worship around the one who made us and sustain us and sustains us. And we can look to the one who's there for all of us, no matter what we're going through. And on any given Sunday, I've said this before, you know, we come from these different areas of life and we come to look to the one who uh, gives us life and who sustains us. Again, we rejoice with Betty. We rejoice with the families this morning of the, the, with the new additions. We also want to remember several prayer concerns this morning as well. For many of you have been keeping up with Dara and Eric Kisselberg's grandson, uh, Dawson Newton, and uh, we want to remember him this morning and in the coming days, in the coming weeks and months as he uh, currently remains in Charlotte and will have significant health concerns uh, in the coming days. Let's also remember Reed Murray. Reed is growing significantly weaker. I've shared this with a few of you with some phone calls uh, over the weekend just to say that if you wanted to go by and visit, I would encourage you to do that uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, but let's be in prayer for Reed and for Irene and their family during this difficult time. This morning, we also want to remember and extend sympathy to Barbara Lale in the passing of her grandmother, or excuse me, her mother, Blanche Ruff. Uh, Barbara Lale's mother, Blanche Ruff. The services will be held today at three o'clock at Forest Lake Baptist Church in Forest City. And the family will receive friends from two to 3 p.m. at the church. And that's Forest Lake Baptist Church in Forest City. We also extend sympathy to the friends and family of Devron Helgeson, who passed away a couple days ago. There, she was at Cleveland Pines, and for those of you who visited her in the nursing home, you know that she was a delight to talk to and uh, just made each person that came in her room feel special. That service will be held here in the sanctuary tomorrow at 11 a.m., and uh, we invite you to be in prayer again for that time. We certainly want to remember the many today who are traveling and who are not with us today. We certainly miss them and we pray for a safe return for them. Will you now join me in a word of prayer?
God, as we gather as one body, help us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. We all come here today to this place of worship having experienced very different weeks. For some, it's been a wonderful week, and for others, it's been one they never want to see again. We are grateful that you meet us right where we are. As we gather for worship today, I'm mindful of the psalm that says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And that is our desire today. You are worthy of all of our praise. Tune our hearts that we may hear and respond to your spirit today. As we reflect on the experience of David and his encounter with the giant, remind us that you are with us, leading us in the midst of our giants. For those who are struggling physically, we pray for healing. And for those weighed down with grief today, we ask for comfort and that the presence of the good shepherd would walk beside them during this very difficult season. In today's scripture with young David, we're reminded how the strong can be defeated by the weak and how the exalted and the one mighty can be overcome by those who are humble and lowly. And for this, we give you thanks. Today, we pray for those who must contend with forces greater than they are. Grant them faith, and in faith, grant them courage. Act for them and in them. Lead them in all things that they are faced with. For those who need encouragement today, for those who need our help, help us to be good neighbors in a community that can help all people live life to its fullest. Bless those who are serving you, Father, on the mission field, both here at home and around the world. Protect, provide, and bless them with fruitful ministries. God, may now we tune our hearts and our minds to what you have for us today. Continue to speak and continue to lead us as we worship you this day. We ask this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our hymn is number 489. If you would, please turn to 489. I'll give you a little bit of instructions. This is one of the newer hymns in our hymnal. I'm sure many of you have heard it, but we've never sung it from the hymnal before. Um, so you sing the first stanza, the first two lines, and take what's called the first ending, and you go back and sing the second stanza and take the second ending and sing to the end, and then you go back and sing it through again. So if you're not familiar with it, you can hear the choir sing it the first time through and join in the second time, but you can sing anytime you want. Number 489, The Potter's Hand. Please stand and join in singing if you're able.
morning. I just wanted to let everyone know that this Wednesday, both at the 11 o'clock prayer service and 6 o'clock, Mariah and I will be sharing about our experience in Kenya a few weeks ago. And here's just a sampling of a few of the pictures. We'll definitely be showing plenty of those. But we'll be talking about our experience in Kenya, what all happened, the challenges that we faced, and just all the thoughts that are now ruminating through our heads. And so please come out. We would love to share it with you again, both at 11 and at 6. At 11 o'clock, we should be in the Kerygma room. At 6 o'clock, we'll probably be in the Lighthouse room. But once you're here, we'll figure out where all we're going to be. So please feel free to come out. We'd love to be able to share it with you. And if you will join me in a prayer that in many ways capsulizes our experience. All-powerful God, you are present in the whole universe and the smallest of your creatures. You embrace with your tenderness all that exists. Pour out upon us the power of your love that we may protect life and beauty. Fill us with peace that we may live as brothers and sisters, harming no one. O God of the poor, help us to rescue the abandoned and forgotten of this earth, so precious in your eyes. Bring healing to our lives that we may protect the world and not prey on it, that we may sow beauty, not pollution and destruction. Touch the hearts of those who look only for gain at the expense of the poor and the earth. Teach us to discover the worth of each thing, to be filled with awe and contemplation, to recognize that we are profoundly united with every creature as we journey towards your infinite light. We thank you for being with us each day. Encourage us, we pray, in our struggle for justice, love, and peace. Amen.
scripture this morning comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17, and um, it's a story that we all know pretty well. It's David and Goliath, but I'll do some skipping around to kind of get the main points of it here, so I'll make the transitions as smooth as possible here. So I'm going to start with chapter 17, verse 1, part of verse 1, and then skip down to verse 4, and then I'll, I'll let you know where we're at. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. In verse 4, And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had greaves of bronze upon his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And skipping down to verse 19. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going forth to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went to greet his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. And then skipping over to verse 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a, war, he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and, I, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and killed him. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, to the, said the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear would deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor and put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword over his shoulder, and he tried in vain to go, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I am not used to them. And David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag or wallet. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and comely in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? 
And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will, be, will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give it to the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day. Sorry. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assemble, and all, that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine, and David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face on the ground. Amen. Thank you, Zach. Uh, that was uh, several verses, uh, 58 in that chapter, and I didn't think it was best for us to read all 58, but I think the verses that Zach read helps us tell the story, and thank you, Zach, for reading it well, and thank you, choir, for the beautiful song and the beautiful truth that that song communicated to us. Few stories in the scripture have the, uh, capture the imagination that the story of David and Goliath do. As a kid, many of you were in church, maybe not all of you as a kid, but many of you have the opportunity to grow up in church. And this was a story that you learned probably from a very young age. You learned about Moses, you learned about Abraham and crossing the Red Sea, but David and Goliath was one that you remember. And it's one that we should remember and that we shouldn't ignore from the pulpit on a Sunday morning. There were two armies facing off. You've got the Philistines and you've got the people of Israel. You've got one on one hill. If you go back and read some of the scripture we didn't read, you've got one on one hill and one on the other. And the Philistines would send down this giant of a man, Goliath, to taunt the army of Israel each and every day. They would, he would just yell out these sayings, and some of which we can find in scripture. And the deal was that the loser serves the winner. And so the Philistines send down this giant of a man, Goliath, and the Israelites send down a shepherd boy, one who was inexperienced with war, one who chose not to wear the armor that Saul had given him. And so the likelihood, the human synopsis of this, we know how the story ends, but we think about it from a human perspective and we think David doesn't stand a chance. That's maybe what we, the conclusion that we draw there. We've read how it ends. David, the unlikely hero with a mere slingshot and on his way to the battlefield, stops and picks up five stones uh, from the creek or the river, however it may be, and he needs just one of them uh, to defeat the giant and to leave him lying there on the battlefield. I love verse 45 that was read of chapter 17. David speaks to the Philistine before the battle and he says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you've had taunted. It's like the author knew what he was doing when he recorded this story, didn't he? It just, it just captivates us. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. The theme from this encounter today continues in the same vein as the story last week. Samuel went to the home of Jesse to anoint a new king. Uh, the three sons, the oldest sons, uh, Eliab and Shammah and Abinadab, I believe it is, come before Jesse and each one the Lord says no, no, no. And then the least impressive and the youngest son of Jesse, David, is anointed the next king of Israel. And so the world tells us 
that age matters. The world tells us that strength matters, that physical ability matters. And when it comes to war, we hear and we know that weapons matter, but not to God and, to not, and not here on this day with David. David's confidence reminds me of the little boy that I heard about. This may have been David in Sunday school, you know, just go with me here. Um, and uh, the teacher asked him, uh, well, what are you drawing? And he says, well, I'm drawing God. And the teacher says, well, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little boy looks up at the teacher with confidence and says, well, they will when I'm done. Um, David must have been that little boy in Sunday school. He was that little boy maybe in Jesse's home that had tremendous confidence. Confidence because of mainly what the Lord had given him, but also confidence because of his experience. As he tells the Philistine, you are like that lion and that bear that I went after when the sheep was in its mouth and I took it by the jaw and I killed it and I rescued the sheep. So David has a confidence in the Lord, but also a confidence in his experience as well. The writer of the story again portrays David with such confidence, courage, and boldness. And from the moment he hears about this giant, he is confident that this giant can be taken down. There is no hesitation in 1 Samuel 17, none at all. And as a matter of fact, everything, as we talk about God uh, at work and we talk about God is constantly on the move in us, God is, is constantly on the move with David in this story because every time you see David, he's moving to the front lines and then he's moving to ask, who is this giant? And then he's moving towards Saul and he's getting his armor and he's, it's, it's just constant movement. And then he never hesitates. And it says here in the scripture that he ran toward the Philistine. And as he's running, he just stops. He's got a slingshot. That's it. Against a nine plus giant, he stops and grabs some stones. David is certainly the underdog in today's story. You know, the one that thought to have little chance of winning a fight or a battle or a contest, we often refer to as the underdog. I found one dictionary this week, it wasn't a, a common, it wasn't a biblical dictionary, and in the dictionary, when I looked up underdog, it mentioned the biblical character David. That's all it said, the biblical character David. And so I think that's neat that David is in a dictionary as the definition of what an underdog is. And the story of David as an underdog is familiar with many of the stories we've heard growing up. I'm a child of the 80s and 90s, so uh, Rudy, Hoosers, um, Karate Kid, Rocky, uh, we could probably go on and on, but we could name movie after movie that everybody likes the story of a good underdog. It's something that it's just about that, right? That everybody, even the, the lowest or the ones that we don't put on a pedestal as being strong and athletic or whatever it may be, can also win the battle. And we see that with some of these movies. Uh, this spring, for those of you who are into college basketball, and I know everybody's not, but we have a lot who are, remember the number 16 seed team, UMBC, Maryland, Baltimore County, that's right, UMBC, number 16 seed that defeated the number one seed, Virginia. This should have been Virginia's year to win the championship. And I wanted the ACC team there. But it wasn't. They shocked the nation. The 16 seed team for the first time ever in NCAA history beat a number one seed team. And they didn't just beat them, they annihilated them. They defeated them in, in, a, in a dominating kind of way. We get, we get tired, I say this, but we get tired of the same team winning all the time, unless it's my team, the Tar Heels, of course. Can I get an amen? Um, but we get tired of the same team, <laughs> we get tired of the same team winning all the time. And it's like this fall, I mean, this, this February, we don't want another Super Bowl with the Patriots. I mean, we just, we don't want that. You know, we like for all the teams. Again, there's something just about everybody having their day and everybody getting uh, their chance. We love stories of heroes that win it all. Uh, there's a sense, again, that we want the world to be just. The underdog usually has multiple reasons to be labeled this. It could be a lack of size. 
It could be a lack of strength, athletic ability, or it could be a list of problems and setbacks. The story of David and Goliath is more than an underdog story. It's a story of bold and faithful courageousness. This morning, I'm gonna ask Mike Davis to come up here or make his way up here. We have one who can share with us and one who knows what it's like to experience problems and setbacks and still arise the victor. Mike has faced a few giants in his life and with God's presence and guidance has risen the victor. And Mike, I wanna ask you to come and to share with us how God has led you through some difficult times. I know it's, uh, you know, it was risky last week or two weeks ago to ask Daryl, and I'm picking on Daryl, he knows that, to, to share, you know, I, I didn't know how long we might be here. But with Mike, uh, this time, Mike in Bible studies, if you're ever in Bible study with Mike, he loves to ask questions. And sometimes if you're the teacher, it's not always, I, I, like, I like your questions, Mike, but sometimes it, it leaves us kind of like, uh, you know, he asks that question that really doesn't have a definite answer. Or maybe a question that everybody's thinking and that uh, finally Mike voiced it. But uh, Mike, I appreciate your presence and your spirit in Bible study. And um, you come and share about some of these setbacks and trials that you've had. Come share. Thank you. I don't know why he thought I would be the one to have any problems. <laughs> uh, or how I was similar to David. Uh, maybe because David was a farmer. He was a sheep and goat farmer, I think. And I was a hog and chicken farmer. And David had <clears throat> lots of problems. Uh, something I tell Melissa is that anytime we're talking about problems is that we shouldn't worry about it because we all have our own bucket of poop to deal with. <clears throat> David had his and God helped him. God helped him directly by talking to him verbally. In the Bible, David just sits down and talks with God and God talks back with him no matter what they say on that show on television. I don't know. David did listen to God and talk to him. <clears throat> and he led people to do what David wanted the pe other people to do. God would lead them to do it. And through prayer, uh, he helped David make wise decisions, usually. I think you know he didn't always make such wise decisions. When Keith asked me to do this, uh, talk about dealing with problems and, how, problems and how God helps me, I first thought about something my daddy said. Daddy always said, he lived a charmed life. He didn't have any problems. And uh, I first thought, well, I'm the same way. I don't, I don't have any problems. I can't think of anything to talk about. <laughs> but the more I talked with Keith and from listening to my friends in the Bible study and my wife, I, I came to realize just what a poor pitiful somebody I am. <laughs> I want to share with you some of the problems I've had and how God has helped me to handle my bucket, so to speak. In 1991, I was married, had six adopted children. I was a deacon and a volunteer youth leader at Double Springs Church. When I divorced my first wife in 1991, I was concerned about how my six children would handle it. I was concerned about what the youths at the church mamas and daddies would think and act. And I was concerned with how my teenagers at church would, what they would think and what the preacher would think. And I wondered if the church would even want me to continue on as the youth leader uh, 
having been divorced. My preacher was Bruce Rabin, who's one of my heroes. I think he's probably one of Diane's heroes too. And he took me out to breakfast one morning and he offered to help me deal with any frustrations I had because of the situation. And he assured me that he felt that I still had some good Christian ideas I could share with the teenagers and he wanted me to stay on. The mamas and daddies and the kids were all just as loving and supportive as Bruce was. I feel like being treated that way at Devil Springs Church shows that they had to be led by God because sometimes that's not a normal way to act to people who have marriage problems. In 1995, that was 91, in 1995, I had 450 sows or mama hogs and 4,500 pigs from birth to about 250 pounds. And the last Saturday in October, we had a fire at the hog barn, a bad fire. We lost 60 sows, several boars, and 1,000 pigs. The health department came out told us that we had less than 72 hours to get everything that, that was, had been lost, all the dead pigs buried, which didn't seem likely to happen at that point. And uh, I didn't get up Sunday morning because I'd been up all night. And we had about 50 friends from Double Springs Church show up at the hog barn. And then I really started worried because the only thing I could think of was everybody's going to be coming up saying, what can I do? What can I do? And I was going to have to work to keep from saying, stay out of my way. But that's not how it happened at all. All these people who hadn't dealt with a situation like that fell in like they were professional people that clean up after a fire. People brought their trucks, backhoes, front end loaders, and various tractors and everybody fell in and by the end of the day all the 1200 or so hogs were buried <clears throat> and I had one friend in particular who he was an older fella he couldn't come over there and help do anything but he came over the next day he was also one of the less affluent people at Double Springs and the next day he came over and said he wanted to do something, so he gave me a check for $5. And that meant more to me than, than just about anything. To me, it was just like God had signed the check. And so that's, uh, God had to influence those people. It was, it was one of the more spiritual things that's ever, ever happened to me. And it happened because of that, of the fire. In 1997, I married Melissa. Now, that's not one of my problems. <laughs> Challenge, maybe. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, let's see, am I in the right place here? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, like my, y'all, most of y'all know David Martin, I think. Some of you may be kin to him. But uh, David Martin, he's been one of my best friends since first grade, and uh, he refers to me as a cripple. And uh, I don't know, we, we get a big kick out of that. But in 2000, I had my first back surgery. 
I have what they call degenerative discs. The discs between my vertebrae are basically crumbling away or have crumbled away. And between 2000 and 2010, I had five back surgeries and several injections. The last back surgery was a fusion surgery where they, they put spacers between the vertebrae and put rods and pins to hold them apart. And uh, none of the surgeries ever helped. I came out uh, worse than I went in every time. And I ended up with what they call arachnoiditis. And it doesn't have anything to do with spiders. Uh, <clears throat> it's uh, arachnoid is one of the linings around your, your uh, spinal column. And mine stays inflamed all the time because of all the back surgeries. And <clears throat> for a while, I couldn't, when I first, when I came out of the last surgery, I couldn't walk at all. And I had physical therapy for several months to get to where I can walk as well as I do. And I've come to find out that how people treat handicapped folks is inspired by God. It doesn't matter where I am. If I'm in the grocery store, I always end up with more than one person asking, can I help you get something? Can I get that for you? Do you need anything? And not people that work there, just people that just are there and they're just kind enough to, to want to be helpful. At the trash dump Saturday, I had four or five bags of trash and before I could get the, the car opened up, a man came and opened the back of the car and got the trash and I said, you don't have to do that. And he said, I know I don't, but I want to. And uh, he was helpful at school. The kids are always, Mr. Davis, can I help you get that? Mr. Davis, are you all right? Stuff like that. Uh, and at the uh, Bible study, I about have to fight Cliff Hamrick to keep him from getting my coffee and donut for me <laughs> every Sunday morning. Uh, my wife uh, puts up with a lot because of my uh, handicap problem. The doctors told her she, she probably gets post-traumatic stress syndrome like the soldiers in Iraq do just from dealing with me. So uh, she's an example of how God works and how God leads folks. Uh, be sure I didn't leave out any, anything here. Uh, I reckon that's all my problems I could think of. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, if Keith ever calls you to do this, do it. It's really a blessing to, uh, to think about the things that he, he asked you to think about. And it's a blessing to get up here and see all you people. Uh, Boiling Springs Church is another thing that makes me feel like God is helping me deal with my problems. Y'all are the, the uh, kindest, friendliest, best people I've ever come across. And uh, you need to know that and, and be proud of it. And I think it's God helping you be that way because all y'all ain't that nice. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Do, do you need a hand, Mike? Can I help you down the stairs? You know, when God speaks to us and he guides us and he leads us, 
as we're talking about today, as he's led Mike through some different challenges and problems and difficulties. And I'm grateful that Melissa's not one of those, Mike. You did well up there. Um, but he does it oftentimes in the most unexpected ways and in, through the most unexpected people. Uh, Mike mentioned the gentleman, the neighbor, who wrote the check for $5. And that was probably all that he could do. Many of you in the room, if you're honest this morning, and I know many of your stories have faced some trials and have faced some difficulties and have faced some giants in your life. And you may not have pictured yourself as David, but nevertheless, you can look back through those situations and through those trials and maybe you were in that valley and again faced a giant and your giant may have looked a little bit different than the, the tall giant that, that David faced. But nevertheless, you can look back to people who were there, who were instrumental for you during that time. Uh, people who helped you share the load, who helped you share the weight. And I'm grateful uh, for the, the neighbors who offered the $5 or for the uh, church member who says, is there anything that I can do? And that takes a little bit of uh, humility and uh, have to, we have to put down some pride sometimes to say, yeah, as a matter of fact, this is, this is what you can help me with. Um, David, like I said, was certainly the underdog in the story, the one least likely among all the soldiers. The brothers, if you go back and read the story, they got mad at him. The oldest one, Eli, but says, what are you doing here? Um, and he was the one that, David was the one that came into all the soldiers and asked the question about what are your plans or how are you going to face this guy? And his older brother ridiculed him and condemned him and said, what are you doing here? And, you know, you imagine the, the sibling rivalry that, that goes on that we, that we can relate to. You, we see it here even in the story of David as well. So David was the least likely to do what he did. Um, Philip Yancey, many of you know that have been in Bible studies with me know that he is one of my favorite authors and I love reading his books. But in the old Jesus I never knew or the Jesus you never knew, uh, in describing Jesus, he uses the word underdog and he says this. He says, I wince every time I say the word, especially in connection with Jesus. Yet as I read the birth stories about Jesus, I cannot help but conclude that although the world may be tilted toward the rich and powerful, God, hallelujah, in his mercy is tilted toward us, the underdogs. Through all of life's problems, giants, trials, we are able to move forward knowing that the one who ultimately matters is with us and is guiding us and is leading us through whatever valley and whatever giant and whatever trials and problems that you and I may be faced with. I know we have some present here this morning I can, well, I, I've said it before, you're either just coming out of some trials, you're either in the trials or you're getting ready to go into the trials. And I know from looking around the room this morning that we have some that are facing some trials or that have recently faced trials or in the midst of them right now. And there are some pretty big giants that, we're, that uh, some of you are faced with. The question I have for you this morning is are you allowing the one who loves you, the one who cares for you, the one who died for you to guide you and lead you through the trials? David's trust, it was evident throughout. Yes, he had a background of feeding the lion and the bear and some experience, but yet David's trust was in the living God of Israel. He says that time and time again uh, throughout the story. And I ask you this morning, as you face those giants, as you face those trials, is your trust in the God of David? Is your trust in the one living, true God who loves you, who has given all for you through his son, Jesus Christ? His desire is to lead you and to guide you. This morning, we had a wonderful conversation in the men's Bible study about God's will and understanding God's will and, and have we missed God's will? And it was a wonderful conversation. But in the midst of it all, we came back to the fact 
that God is the one who leads and God is the one who guides. And this morning I ask you to trust him, whatever trial, whatever giant you may be faced with today, I ask you to put your faith and trust in the living God, that he will guide you and that he will lead you uh, through this situation. This morning as we begin to close, I first ask you, have you put your faith and trust in the living God, the one who can guide you and lead you? And if you have, are you allowing him to do that in your life? Uh, some of you in the room, everything may be going okay, but there will come a time. You must be in that, in that season of life right now where everything's going fine, but there will come a time when those trials and those giants will hit you once again. And who will you put your trust in when that time comes? Will you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you that no matter what we're going through, we can look to you for guidance and we can trust that you are leading us. At times, we may not fully understand anything that's happening around us, and we can't see how your hand is in it. But Father, we pray that in the midst of it, we would trust you. In the midst of it, we would look to you. In the midst of it, that we would look to the one living God. God, I'm thankful for Mike and his willingness to share his testimony today. I know it's not easy to get up in front of, of a congregation, and I'm, I'm grateful for Mike and how you have worked and moved in his life. I'm grateful for how you have helped him as he's faced some giants and some problems and trials in his life. Father, we're grateful for stories like David that remind us that the strong do not always win and that, Father, sometimes you use children, sometimes you use those in their youth to defeat giants and to win the battle. Father, thank you for the way that you move and the way that you work. As we think about the sermon series, God at Work, we are grateful, Lord, that you don't, Lord, save us and redeem us, but Father, you are continually at work in our lives. And so, Father, may we give you permission to be at work. Lead us and guide us that we may look more like you. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna stand and sing a hymn, 532, Hands of Blessing. If you are here today and the Lord has spoken to you in a way, I would love to talk with you, pray with you. If you desire church membership, I invite you to come this morning. Let's stand and sing together. <laughs>